Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. Uh, We're continuing again through the book of Ephesians. We're in the fourth chapter, right down toward the end of it now. And I want to sort of set the context again for us and look at one verse today, which is sort of what we've been doing here of late, because these instructions are so important. So beginning with verse 25, it says this, Therefore, and remember, that's in light of everything he'd said in verse uh, chapter 4 about how we are one in the Lord, and then everything he'd said in chapters 1 through 3. In other words, it's a term of conclusion, a point of conclusion. Therefore, laying aside all falsehood, Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. So, we're to lay aside falsehood, we're to speak the truth. Verse 26, be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. So, yes, we can be angry about something, yet do not sin. And so, boy, that's something right there that often has to be drawn into check, right? Verse 28, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. So he's using an example. He said, if you used to be a thief, quit being a thief, quit stealing, work with your own hands, provide for yourself, and meet the needs of others. He's showing that when you are truly saved, there is a change of life. Verse 29 continues that idea. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. So before, there were all sorts of unwholesome words in various ways proceeding from your mouth, but don't let that happen anymore. Now we're to speak forth words that are only good for edification and the edification that is needed at that moment and to make sure that we speak forth things that give grace to those that hear. Now we've seen all of that in previous episodes. Verse 30 is for today. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That is a serious instruction. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And the idea of behind grieving is just what you would think it is, is to cause distress about something, to cause sorrow to something, uh, to cause something, uh, uh, sadness, to offend somebody or something. Don't do that. Now, what's interesting is we're told not to do it. So what does that tell you? That it is possible to do so to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit of God in an external way, the Holy Spirit outside of us. But look what he says, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Those who are true believers, who have truly repented and truly confessed, have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit resides within us. He lives within us. Remember what we saw in the first chapter of Ephesians? 13th verse, listen to this. In him, this is speaking of Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now that's interesting. We're sealed with him. The Holy Spirit dwells within us, but the Holy Spirit seals us with the Holy Spirit of promise. Well, the next verse tells us what the promise is who is given as a pledge of our inheritance 
with a view to the redemption of God's possession, to the praise of his glory. So now we understand that a little better. The Holy Spirit seals us. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a down payment of an inheritance yet to come, as a promise, uh, much as you would put down earnest money if you were buying a piece of property, a promise to buy this, a promise of that which is yet to come. The Holy Spirit seals us, and that sealing is something else also. It's representative of who owns us. We're protected by the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit gives, gives us that protection as a pledge of an inheritance <coughs> which is yet to come. Uh, we also see the same idea with this in um, 2 Corinthians, in the first chapter, verse 22. Let me look at this. Well, I'll start at verse 21. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Ah, so that's how I can say and that we know that the Spirit is in us. It says it right there, that the Spirit is in our hearts. So he's telling us to do what? Not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And he reminds us, the Holy Spirit by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. Well, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, any of the things that we've seen up at this point in time in this letter and anywhere else that is unbefitting someone who professes to be a, a believer. You do not sin. I think that if you request a God and ask a God, and perhaps even if you don't do this, that you will know when you grieve the Holy Spirit, you can actually, folks, feel it. You can feel it physiologically if you're paying attention when you're grieving the Spirit. Let me just ask if you've ever done this. Have you ever uh, been in, done something, been, actually been involved in an activity, or done something, and you literally feel the inside of you changing? Uh, that's a reason that somebody will say, oh, I, I felt my heart, is because it takes place in that kind of way, okay? That is literally grieving the Spirit, and I think God sort of clues us in physiologically of that when we're grieving Him. So He's saying, don't do this. Now, again, I find it interesting that we can do it, that we can reject the Holy Spirit, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, that we can ignore the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and we've talked about this a couple times before, but, you know, sometimes people say, well, why is it that God, uh, when we're saved, why doesn't he just transform us completely and totally to where we're no longer tempted in that way, that we no longer encounter those kind of things? Well, the primary reason is because we're still in the flesh. Okay? We're still in the flesh and we're still in this life. When we are excised from this flesh and we're taken to eternity, we will not have that struggle. Okay, Could God have come along and transformed our flesh to where we would never have sinned anymore? Sure he could have. Why has he not done that? Well, the, the real reason is he's God, right? And I don't know the mind of God on everything like that. I suspect it has something to do with the fact that we are his imagers here on earth. And those that do not have him, that have not repented, have not confessed, have not heard, have not been transformed, when they see us in the same physical bodies, when they see us transformed, when they see what God's done with us, it gives them hope and it gives them encouragement and it draws them the kingdom. It's a, 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 a similar picture of what Christ did. Christ spoke all of creation into existence. And yet Philippians and other portions of Scripture tell us that for salvation to come about, he took on the form of his very creation. He took on the form of flesh. 
He experienced every temptation known to man. Isn't that interesting? That's what the scripture says. He experienced that and yet did not sin. Okay? So I think there's some pictures there for us to understand. The thing for us right now is this. Do not grieve the Spirit. We have a choice. We have a decision. Do not do it and watch what the Lord does. Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for your time. I'll see you next time. Goodbye.